Hello and welcome to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast Thursday edition. Great day to be great. Thanks for tuning in. I'm your host, Ian Hardis, alongside PFS Finest, Dwayne The Rock McFarlane. Dwayne, we haven't talked in like five days. Um, the NFL has really just been a wild one for the better part of the last two weeks. We're going to talk a blockbuster trade between Tyreek Hill, the Kansas City Chiefs, and the Miami Dolphins, and also go through your recently published on PFF.com 2022 ranks. How are you, my friend? Oh, man, I'm good. Um, and like, it's the craziest offseason I can honestly remember. I, I, I really like I was... I was yesterday just trying to think back like through like the off seasons. And I even went to like, you know, some different places. We're looking at free agent moves and trades. And I was like, there's just nothing that I can remember that compares to this. Like it's, it's been awesome. Like, you know, for being my first full time, you know, uh, season in the industry, like there's no shortage, like of things to be talking about and to be writing about. So it's been nice. Um, and it's also kept uh, rankings really fluid, you know, <laughs> don't, don't get too settled in on any one thing, uh, which I love this time of year because, you know, I haven't done my official projections um, I kind of like to do my first pass of my ranks before I do those because projections are part of it. But like I try, I want to think about players like in terms of, you know, tiers, skill sets, like overarching, you know, kind of zoom out macro stuff. Then you start to fine tune it, right? As you do the projections and you learn a lot, you know, that's the biggest thing with projections is learning um, so much more about the teams and really getting yourself like into the coaching staff and all that kind of stuff, which is great. Um, but I love this time of year because it's it's like the rankings are up for people to use for their best ball drafts right now. But at the same time, like we're constantly iterating on them. And so I don't know. I That's the part I find the most enjoyable, um, honestly, leading into the fantasy season is just, you know, stepping back and thinking through these things. So just a ton to think about right now. So obviously you can tell so super excited. <laughs> I'm doing like, you know, one and a half speed talk. So if anybody puts it on one and a half on like your deal, you're going to get like two speed Dwayne. Sorry. No, I think, uh, you know. Nicely criticized uh, over the years for definitely talking uh, far too fast for everyone out there speeding up the pods. I don't know, Dwayne. I'm not in a big rush to get through my podcast. Maybe this makes me, you know, a boomer, but I kind of keep it on the uh, 1x speed. So, uh, sorry, not sorry. I enjoy listening to podcasts the way You're I You're just enjoy. not CEO material. I mean, it's okay. <laughs> the average CEO listens, I think, to 1.75 speed. Like, they did a they did a survey of all these CEOs who are trying to crunch in more and more things to their day. <laughs> They also wake up at like 3 a.m. So it's like, who, who, who wants to be a CEO? Like, come I, on. I read some of those self-help books and like, I'll agree with 90% of it. And then it'll be like, all right, like, now it's like, wake up at 6 a.m. every day. And I'm like, okay, I'm out. This thing's full of shit. To hell with uh, Oh, I've gotten eyes. into that one multiple times, not to be too far off. But like, <laughs> you know, I, I like to get up early, you know, sometimes. But there are times where, I mean, look, like I'm, I'm more creative at night. Like I get things done in the morning. But like, honestly, like my like whenever I'm really working on like research or something like, man, like my juices are really flowing in the evening. So it's kind of funny because sometimes you meet people and they're like real judgmental of, oh, well, that person doesn't get up earlier or whatever. I'm like, man, like there's successful people like that do things way different than you. They're probably more successful than you, but like you're just judgmental. But anyway, yeah. Well, I, I did find out with that, Dwayne. Uh, I'm happy to be back on in the Eastern time zone because when I was doing my usual sleep in shenanigans on the West Coast, you know, all of a sudden that 11 a.m. wake up is <laughs> like 2 p.m. for everyone else. And, uh, you know, I got the mentions just racking up like, hey, what, hey man, you, uh, you dead or something? Like, why are you not responding to Duke Johnson getting signed and this and that? So <laughs> we're back, normal time zone 
Dwayne, great day to be great, ready to go. Dwayne, let's break down the trade that yeah. shook the football world yesterday. Tyreek Hill to the Miami Dolphins. All sort of draft capital back. I've seen smart people note that, hey, how were the Chiefs going to basically, you know, rebuild their roster with that sort of cap hit um, in there? Obviously, with those draft picks not having to pay Tyreek, they do have an awful lot of cap space now available. And yeah, bad day, you know, bad week really for those that just say the salary cap is a myth. Look, the Packers, the Chiefs, they could have gotten around it, but, you know, like, if they got around it, you're then making, you know, more sacrifices down the road because the salary cap is a real thing. Maybe not quite as, you know, much of a hard cap as a lot of people like to, you know, look at. You can always restructure and this and that, but, you know, every benefit does end up having a, you know, bad benefit, wherever the hell the opposite of a benefit is down the line. So just something to keep in mind there for all oh, you salary cap is a hoax, a conspiracy theorist out there. But I think it's an interesting dynamic, right? You know, the, the realization of this, but then also just more empowerment to players. Um, and then teams being willing to do these things. Like we just didn't see this many trades, you know, in the past, especially blockbuster, you know, with the NFL. So it's just, I think we're seeing, um, you know, an evolution of the league. I mean, I don't want to overstate it because like, you know, anytime you get a big like boom like this, not saying every off season is going to be like this, like this is probably still going to be abnormal comparatively speaking, like to the next, to next season and the one after. Um, but I do think there's an evolution going on, like in the thought process, both for the players and for the owners and general managers. And I think it's going to, I think we're going to see um, it'd be a little bit, you know, more frictionless moving forward as far as teams just going in and pulling the trigger on some of these things and players really pushing for it, you know, because it's not the NBA or anything. Um, but definitely, I feel like the players are more empowered and they're much more willing to speak up and, and make their demands heard. So let's start things off with the Dolphins. Obviously, they have now added maybe. All right. I would say Devontae Adams, number one wide receiver in the NFL based on pure receiving ability. But in terms of impacting the defense and putting the fear of God into defensive coordinators, I'd probably give Tyreek the nod over Devontae. Either way, we're talking about, you know, you don't need more than one hand to count the number of real-life fantasy wide receivers better than Tyreek. At least that was the case in Kansas City. Dwayne, like, we've seen the Dolphins make a handful of moves already that, you know, kind of were puzzling. Giving Cedric Wilson that three-year, I believe, $22 million deal in an offense that tentatively is still returning Jalen Waddle, Devontae Parker and nominal slot receiver Mike Desicki. So it was already kind of a confusing fit there. They brought back Durham Smythe, who was kind of their more full-time inline tight end. So we already kind of had some possible like, hey, okay, who exactly is going to be the odd man out here questions? And now we throw Tyreek Hill into that mix. Obviously he, Jalen Waddle, are going to be out there. Mike Desicki getting the franchise tag. It seems like things are pointing towards Devontae Parker potentially being on the out, something that we talked about briefly, you know, about a week ago and looked at his contract. And I do think they would be able to get out of it, maybe ship him to, you know, a wide receiver needy team like Philly or something for a late round pick, as we've seen with, you know. I the mean, <laughs> what is Devontae Parker worth? A pick to never be named? I mean, Jesus, hey, look what hey, Amari, look, hey. I'm just saying, like, look, look what Amari Cooper got. Right. I mean, look what Robert so, Woods got. Like, so what much of that get? is the contract, though. I think his contract is a lot easier. I hate when people look at those trades and they're like, oh, Robert Woods is only worth a six-round pick. It's like, well, the allure of a six-round pick is that you have a cost-controlled player for three years and you're not paying as much as Robert Woods. So, 
that mumbo jumbo aside, it seems like Devontae Parker is going to be out of the picture. That, that's all I'm trying to say. So I, I wouldn't expect him to have a huge role in this passing game. But Dwayne, like either way, let's let's just for the sake of us assume that Parker is kind of out of the picture here because it just muddles things up more if he's staying. We got Tyreek. We got Waddle. We got we got Tasecki. We got now Chase Edmonds also involved in the passing game. It's good news for Tua. I'm not sure if this is good news for anyone else in the offense because I've seen a lot of people coming out and saying, oh, Jalen Waddle now. Look at that speed stretcher they have with Tyreek. Everything's going to be more open underneath for Jalen Waddle. That's great. I wouldn't be shocked if his efficiency goes up. It better go up because that's kind of the issue with Jalen Waddle. So much of his stuff was short that we weren't seeing him posting these overly great numbers on a per route, per target basis. Dwayne, it's bad news for everyone in this offense other than Tua. We want the volume, and with Tyreek there, he's going to be taking a large chunk of it, and now Tyreek himself has a worse situation under center. Right. Um, and honestly, like, I, this is one that I'm still just working through. Like, I've made, you know, the initial adjust adjustments. You know, I had Waddle inside my top 10. I've bumped him below Higgins and Metcalf now. But even, you know, I, I feel like Waddle probably needs to be more like around 15 or 16. But then I get to like Hopkins and I get to Keenan Allen and I get to Deontay Johnson. I like those players, but it's like, do I really want to have Jalen Waddle below those players? Like that's the decisions you start running into, like when you're thinking through, you know, your rankings. And so with Waddle um, right now, I've got him at 12. He is still going to move down a little bit more for Tyree Kill. I totally agree. I mean, when you look at Tyree Kill, number one, like Patrick Mahomes over the last two seasons has over a thousand yards passing on scramble drill plays. Those are gone. But Tua has 60, like 65 yards or something like that. Doesn't even have 100. Now, Tua's missed a lot of games, but those off-strip kind of plays where Mahomes could buy time, right, and wait, and then just basically be like, okay, we're at the point in the play where nobody can keep up with Tyree Kill, and I'm just going to chunk it. Obviously, those things had come down over the last season with all the too high safety looks really started a season and a half ago. But I think those are going to be things that are obviously going to hurt Tyree Kill. I think you're also joining an offense, Ian. It's going to be more of a... I don't think that they're not going to be pass heavy like like um, the Chiefs. The Chiefs are willing to throw in any type of down and distance. The Chiefs are willing to throw in any type of game script. I think the Dolphins, you will see, like when they're in games where they're leading, you're going to see them probably run the ball up to 45% of the time, maybe 50%. I don't, I don't love their backfield. I think they have a good backfield. So I still think that the coach will do the right thing and probably lean a little more to the pass than like what you see with San Francisco. But two is still the limiting factor, like how good can two be? So you get a downgrading quarterback for Tyreek Hill. You're going to go to an offense that's going to throw the ball less for Tyreek Hill. Um, and you're also losing, you know, the efficiency and some of those big play moments that you get by playing with Patrick Mahomes. So it's, it is a hit for Hill. And, and so I think my biggest takeaway for Hill is now tier one for receivers is Cooper Cup, Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase. It used to include Devontae Adams and Tyreek Hill. It doesn't anymore. Yeah. They're in the next tier down now for me. So they're much closer to getting, you know, with, you know, you could argue Stefan, again, these are not like 100% locked in. You could argue Stefan Diggs and A.J. Brown belong above Debo Samuel. Samuel and I would be fine. I'm probably not going to move Tyreek Hill or Devontae Adams, though, below that group. So I'm kind of toying with really is Devontae Adams and Tyreek Hill kind of a mini tier of their own, like the way I'm thinking about it. And then... You know, and this isn't Dynasty. This is obviously for 2022. Right. Then you get Debo, Stefan Diggs, A.J. Brown, CeeDee Lamb, T. Higgins. And I'm kind of thinking I may end up drawing a line there, right? And then you get to Metcalf and Waddle. Um, you know, each of them have their own challenges. Um, but I still think that Waddle can get to 24, 25% targets in the offense. I think the thing that's gone 
is there was an upside for like a 28, 30% year. Yeah. Like you're not going to get that now. That's gone. Um, so I still think he could do what he did last year um, or a little bit less, maybe even a little bit more, but you just don't get that true high upside for a target hog. I think um, the player that's most impacted, and I want your thoughts, but like I th- this is really bad for Gasecki. Gasecki's never been a player that's been able to earn a lot of targets, even on even on teams without a lot of options. Um, so I think this is really going to hurt him. I think Gasecki needs to move down the ranks. Um, I've already moved him down mine. Um, you know, I need to move him down probably a little bit more, but like, I think there's a realistic chance. Like he doesn't even get to 15% of the targets. I think he had 16% the last two years. It was always, I mean, that was kind of what I, how I opened this. Like it was always a question with Jacecki's fit there. I understand they franchised him, but let's face it, that franchise, that doesn't, tag, yeah. it's only $10 million for one year. Like it's not a, on a team that has a lot of money. <laughs> yeah. So like they wanted to keep him. He's a good player. I understand that, but I don't think that indicates that he's going to be like the focal point of the offense, no matter what. With Smythe being the much better, you know, blocking threat there, dude. There's a chance that Jasicki's like playing fifty percent of the offensive snaps. He won't year. be on the field when they're in twenty one. When the, when Alec Ingold is on the field with one of the other backs, is he going to be on the field in eleven full time? We don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I think he'll probably see a lot of those. If they know they're throwing, I think Gusecki finds his way in the field. But I think you're right, it's a valid question because Jalen Waddle play, has played in the slot last year. New offense, so we'll see what they do. Cedric Wilson has been a slot player, and Gusecki's been a slot player. <laughs> so where are you putting all these guys in 11? My guess is they kick Gusecki inside you know, to tie it in, in line in 11. You let Cedric Wilson play the slot. If you've got Parker still there, I think he's kind of the odd man out right now. And you would have uh, Waddle, you know, on the outside. And you would have, they probably move Waddle all over and you have Tyreek Hill on the outside. That, that's my guess right now. Look, even, that's why I was just trying to throw out Parker from the beginning. Because yeah. if we throw him back in there, oh, it God, gets even yeah. more uh, complicated. So, yeah, you know, similar to uh, kind of what we were joking about with Jacksonville. Like, are they just going to put all three of these, you know, receivers in the slot and stack them up, you know, put them on each other's shoulders uh, or whatever out there. But, yeah, with the Jasicki, man, I think he needs to be down in that now late round uh, conversation. If he's still going to be walking into 2022 with this top 10, top 12 ranking, I am absolutely out on that. Because, again, I think Smythe is probably going to be their guy for uh, rundowns. And it'll probably be Jasicki more when they want to pass. But either way, now, having target hogs like Tyreek and Waddle in there, what's Jasicki's target ceiling? Like 80? Yeah. 85 or something. So. I don't, I don't, I don't think that's his ceiling even anymore, to be honest. Like, I, I think you, yeah, you could probably say that's his outer edge range of outcomes. Like, that's not good if that's ranges. your outer edge. Yeah. Yeah. That's his outer edge. I think, I think much more likely you're looking at a 50 reception season and you're depending on some touchdowns. I mean, he's, he's, he's right now on underdog. He's tied in 11. That's too high. Like, he needs to be more like around 16, 17. Um, I've moved him down to 15. So. I'm with you, uh, Devontae and then Tyreek kind of being their own mini tier. You make the guy the highest freaking paid NFL wide receiver ever. Uh, I think he's going to get his. And I mean, Tyreek, just you, you look at all the ways he can win on the field. And, you know, I, I don't think he's going to necessarily get the we same. We did see him win with Alex Smith. Like, sorry, jumping Bro. in there. But I oh, mean, so yeah. we've seen. Yeah. And I've seen some people being like, oh, the uh, Debo Samuel role. All right. Every time a wide receiver gets a freaking handoff, we don't need to compare them to the Debo, yeah. Debo Samuel. Tyreek Hill, over it, Ian. Tyree it's, Hill it's was 2022, doing this. man. <laughs> Tyreek Hill was doing this before Debo Samuel, man. If you look at what Tyreek was doing the first two years of his career, they used to actually line him up as a pure running back, and he was absolutely nasty. Obviously, Debo has a good 20, 30 pounds on him, and I don't think they're necessarily going to be trying to run Tyreek in between the tackles quite as much, but we could see, you know, a courtesy. You're going to see some of it. Role. Yeah, yes. we'll see some of it. 
hopefully more so than in Kansas City. So I think Tyreek will probably be fine. Waddle's the one, Dwayne, where to me, wide receiver 12 even feels a little bit too high. Again, we talked about Oh, that. I agree. I think he needs to come down some. Okay. So. Last year, 10th in the NFL in targets. That's just not going to happen again. Uh, and kind of looking at the overall ranking tier. Yeah, play a game with me. Like, let's start talking like Here through these guys. This is what I ran into. So I had him I had him at nine and I moved him down to 12 on this news. But knowing like I still need to move him further. But man, I start struggling when I get to Hopkins. Okay, could I move Hopkins ahead? Yeah, but 30-year-old player that might be declining. I could move Keenan Allen ahead. But Waddle's really a similar player, right? He plays in the slot. Um, probably going to see a similar target share. I get to Deontay Johnson. I got Mitch Trubisky, DJ Moore. I don't know who the damn quarterback's going to be. Uh, and I'm not saying two is great, but I, I like Mike McDaniels and I like the scheme. So it's like I start running into, I, I feel like it's more of a, there's a, it's, it's almost like more that there's a teardrop versus like, like where do I place him with all these guys? But again, like, be interested in your thoughts and where you would place him, you know, in that range. I'd go Hopkins ahead, Keenan ahead. I hear you. Like once we start talking Deontay, DJ Moore, Elijah Moore, you start kind of having similar quarterback problems, potential pecking order issues. So I'm not, I, I'm, I'm okay with putting Waddle ahead of those guys. I think I, I'm probably a little higher on Mike Evans and uh, Terry McLaurin than you. So I would say that middling Wide receiver, you know, 14 to 18 range, I think is fair for Waddle. You know, just your classic kind of upside wide receiver too. He's still going to have a good floor. I mean, good luck, you know, defense is trying to defend everything Miami's going to be doing with motion and all that. As we saw last year, uh, San Francisco, like by far, uh, was number one in the NFL in pre-snap motion and everything they were able to do. I mean, they were putting freaking Trent Williams in motion out there. So it's going to be fun watching these guys uh, run around. I did do a study. It was from 2010 to well, and Waddle was the was put into motion like more often than like almost every other receiver as He's far as when it. he was targeted. Yeah, so it it's not it's not crazy for them to uh, have two top twenty four receivers since between twenty ten and twenty twenty they're an average of four point three uh, top twenty four PPR wide receivers on the same team. So that's fine. Uh, I just think both as a top twelve maybe that's pushing it. A little I think you more. do have to put in the range of outcomes that like Waddle really could be the better fantasy player than Tyreek Hill. I don't, I don't think like that's the thing that you're going to like lean into and say, Hey, it's absolutely going to happen. But I think Waddle knowing that Tyreek Hill can truly stretch out the whole field. We haven't seen Waddle do that yet. He really played as a slot more of a, so he's going to be the Z most likely in this offense. Now there's three ways this could go. You know, Hill really plays the X, you know, Waddle plays, I guess really mainly two ways. Waddle plays the Z you know, I don't think they're going to flip him. I don't think there's any way you're making Waddle your field stretcher. I mean, you could. He's got the skill set. We haven't seen it yet. But most likely, if you're going to do that, it's Hill. Or they're just interchangeable, right? We're going to we're going to use Hill and space underneath on this play. Next play, we're going to use Waddle underneath in space. Next play, we're going deep to Hill. But, like, what we've seen is Hill is really the guy that's, you know, the better, you know, he's more proven as a downfield target. And then the question becomes, like, will Tua pop the top? Like, will he, like, let it rip? Like, he's going to have to freaking let it rip. And we've seen him do it. We've seen him do it. And he's been decent on those throws. But his percentage of plays that he throws the ball down the field is the bigger issue. And, you know, it's always chicken or the egg. Well, maybe nobody's open. Maybe Devontae Parker was just so tightly covered and he didn't want to contest the balls all day. You know, I don't know. To your point, though, bottom four quarterbacks last year in percentage of passes to travel at least 20 yards downfield. Tua tied with Jimmy G. N not not ideal. That's right. Tua tied with Jimmy G in terms of aggressiveness downfield. Only Andy Dalton and Daniel Jones were lower. So 
Dwayne, I think we covered kind of most of the Miami uh, pieces here other than Tua. Now, that stat I brought up about there being 4.3 instances of a single team employing two top 24 wide receivers. Among that group, 74% of those teams also included a fantasy QB1. So this was a good 43, you know, team sample here and 74% had a top 12 quarterback attached. Now, we just talked about Tua not really being willing to throw downfield. But let's face it, that Miami offense last year, they had to do what they had to do, man. They were still trying to compete. The offensive line couldn't hold up. And that's why we kind of saw one one of, if not the most gadgety offense in the NFL with the amount of RPOs they would just run time and time again. So I agree where it's not that, like, it's not like Tua is like the only quarterback in the league that can't throw the ball downfield. Like, does he really have a worse arm than Mac Jones or some of these other guys out there? I don't yeah. think so. He can throw. We've seen from his rookie year, man, that one, Um, I think they were playing the Bengals. He threw like a 50-yard missile down the middle that hit Jakeem Grant like in the helmet, and the dude just couldn't <laughs> hold on. So he has the arm to at least, like what? It's fun watching all these, you know, college kids at their pro days launch the ball 80 yards downfield. How many times do we actually see a quarterback throw the ball more than 40, 50 yards uh, downfield in the game? Not all that often. So I think it's almost like, uh, you know, the 40-yard dash. We're like, yeah, having that elite, you know, 70, 80-yard cannon is cool and all. You just don't have that many instances where you're actually yeah. doing that specific thing. So I think... I'm, I'm not buying into, like, I've seen some things out there kind of like oh man you're just not going to have two top 24 receivers like I'm, I'm not that scared I agree that you're not which is another reason I feel like I got to push Waddle down um, and why Tyreek Hill is more of a tier thing than maybe just absolutely where you have him ranked um, you know I think it'll be t- I think it'll be really tough for Miami to have two top 12 guys right if they do that like obviously that's going to be really good for Tua now you're going to run a lot of heavy personnel which means you're competing less for targets it's going to be more just hill and waddle you know battling it out which could help um but at the same time like looking at teams like um the 2020 panthers you had it up on the screen you had several examples the 2020 steelers like big ben in 2020 supported three guys now they threw the ball all the time bridgewater supported three guys now curtis samuel's one of them he got some involvement in the running game as well Tyree. still i yeah, as will Tyreek and as could Jalen Waddle as well. Like sure. so, I mean, I think I think it's just a deal where like don't get too overly crazy about holding these guys back because of Tua. Um, just like you shouldn't get overly excited about moving Tua way up your ranks just because he got Tyreek Hill. Tua, like the main thing is still the question: Is Tua a good quarterback? We don't know. We don't know. So I mean, if Tua really is a good quarterback, like adding Tyreek Hill, obviously adds to the top end range of his outcomes. But if Tua is just an average quarterback, Tyreek Hill still helps him. If Tua is a poor quarterback, Tyreek Hill still helps him. But alone, Tyreek Hill does not make Tua all of a sudden like someone we've got to move up to our top 12. Problem with Tua is he's an athletic guy, but he doesn't run. Maybe that's right. been because coming off the hip thing, he's just been less, you know, sure. But even at Alabama, I think I remember he only had like one game in his career at Bama over 50 rushing yards. I know sacks count against rushing yards, but how often was he really, you know, getting overburdened with pressure uh, behind those Alabama O-lines? So in the NFL, the dude has never even eclipsed 40 uh, rushing yards in a game. So we're not getting that from him. Dwayne, right now in your uh, trusty QB ranks, we got Tua as the QB 20 behind guys like Trevor Lawrence, Ryan Tannehill. 
I'm, you know, we can argue about that if people, you know, scoff. Oh my gosh. Like, okay, move Tua up to QB 18. Once we start seeing, you know, Watson, Stafford, Trey Lance, Justin Fields, Kirk Cousins, Derek Carr. Yeah, I'm going to take those guys. We've seen them do it before. Maybe their offense isn't quite as loaded, but it's not like they're lacking weapons in their own right. And we're still looking at a tier of quarterbacks that don't run either. Yeah, I think Tua has the upside you know, so the way I did this, and again, like thinking through, like kind of more thinking about tiers, right? Lance and Fields give you the upside as far as the rushing. Deshaun Watson, obviously, you could put him in the Trey Lance, Justin Fields. He's a different kind of risk you're taking on in your portfolio if you're drafting him. But at the same time, you know what his upside is when he's on the field. Um, but I think, you know, when you look at that group of Kirk Cousins, Derek Carr, Ryan Tannehill, none of them run a ton. Well, especially Carr and Cousins. They never run. Tannehill does add some value on the ground, um, but it's a really run heavy offense. So that kind of offsets it. But I think Cousins, Carr and Tannehill are like this nice, safe tier that if you want to go with a, a Watson or you want to go with a Trey Lance or a Fields, you could easily take one of these guys right as your QB, two. I think Tua could make his way into that conversation if he takes a step forward. That's the kind of quarterback I see him probably being. I don't think all of a sudden he's going to turn on this light as far as the rushing goes, but you could see him become a Kirk Cousins, a Derek Carr, a Ryan Tannehill, that type of player. Um, so, I mean, I think looking at Tua, like I moved him up. I did have him below before this, like I had him like at 24. So I moved him up a few spots just based on having better weapons. So basically within the tier. So I'm willing to put him a little ahead of Mac Jones, um, Mitchell Trubisky, you know, Malik Willis, you know, these other guys, Zach Wilson, still a young quarterback and he's still, you know, not played a ton of games. So I have to acknowledge that we don't know everything there is to know about Tua. So there's upside. We like his weapons. But I think he belongs below like that group of, you know, as far as if you're thinking of I'm looking for a stable quarterback with Carr, Tannehill, those guys because they've proven it. But if he does well, I think he could move into that group. Like I think his upside like is like he could he could push to be inside the top 12 if all of a sudden they decide they're going to throw a lot or they get really efficient, you know, on offense and he takes a step forward. Um, I just don't see the upside you know, to think he's going to be much more than that. I could be wrong. It's it, There's always a percentage, right, somewhere on your range of outcomes. But for me with Tua, um, I think the best case, you're really hoping like he pushes to be, you know, a low, a low end QB1, high end QB2. Yeah, I'll be, you know, it's, can't trust ADP data too much right now. Um, don't be that, you know, fantasy analyst that's like, oh, you know, as soon as someone gets signed by a new team, you're like, oh, this guy's a value where he's going. Like, yeah, it hasn't been baked into that yet. Uh, people chill the hell out. So keep that in mind, you know, with the current ADPs. As always, as we get closer to the season, those will start to straighten out. So I think we hit every angle of that from a Dolphins perspective. Now let's look at the team that just lost the biggest freaking weapon in the NFL. You know, I equated the Chiefs losing Tyreek Hill like Bowser losing his ability to breathe fire. Truly, I don't think there is another player in the NFL that put as much fear into opposing secondaries. I mean, even Casey Hayward, um, I think, was responding to... I want to say it was Darius Butler, who's um, awesome, you know, it's content and also just a cool ass guy. Uh, but Casey Hayward, you know, the man himself was even saying like teams were just terrified to run man uh, against the Chiefs. And I know for a fact when K Casey was on the Chargers, uh, you know, he did get toasted personally by Tyreek a few times. Who hasn't gotten toasted by uh, Tyreek over the years? So Mahomes now without Tyreek Hill. Wide receiver room is looking awfully brutal at the moment. Me, Cole Hardman, maybe Josh Gordon. And of course, 
apparently number one receiver now Juju Smith-Schuster obviously Travis Kelsey's still there we got Claude Edwards-Alaire in the backfield but suddenly Dwayne like I think you'd be hard-pressed to rank the skill position players of the Chiefs Mahomes excluded obviously inside the top 16 maybe even the top 20 in the league behind Travis Kelsey it's just awfully rough at the moment so with Mahomes you brought up how much success he's had over the years in scramble drill type situations you gotta wonder you know how much that could drop off we did see last year for the first time in his career kind of prolonged struggles when he was more so being forced to take what the defense was giving him now it certainly seemed like he figured that out by the end of the season but my god if you take Tyreek out of the offense you would think those underneath windows and everything are only going to be more crowded more difficult to deal with so Mahomes he's first all time ever in fantasy points per game among quarterbacks so it's not like we're dropping the guy too far but at a minimum, Dwayne, yeah, Josh Allen needs to be QB1, and I would listen to folks that want to look at Kyler, Lamar, maybe even Herbert ahead of him. Yeah, I think for Josh Allen, like, my biggest takeaway here is he's probably just going to get a tier to himself. Like, it's going to be Josh Allen, tier one, QB1. Then you're going to get Patrick Mahomes, Kyler Murray, Justin Herbert, and if you want to throw Lamar Jackson in I like there, that. you can. I think that's probably your next tier. And which order you put those in, I'm with you. I, I could listen um, to someone talk me into any one of those, yeah. <laughs> you know? So honestly, if I'm going to be taking quarterbacks earlier in drafts, which I typically don't now I will some much more in best ball. I will um, than what I do in like typical redraft leagues, um, one quarterback leagues. Um, but when I look at it, like I just think of it as I'm probably going to want to diversify some across those guys. And a lot of times it's just going to be about does one of them slide. Does one of them slide in, the, in ADP? If one of Mahomes, Murray, Herbert, Jackson slide more than a round, I'm probably going to, that's how I'm going to gain exposure to those players. But um, I'm not going to be going out of my way to get Mahomes. Um, I, if somebody wanted to tell me, hey, I want Murray and Herbert above him, like I, I could get it. The other thing I think you do have to remember, like the Chiefs do have two picks at the end of the first round. So they could package something and move up for a receiver. Um, they could still make a deal. They could spend two picks on receiver. Is that likely? Probably not. But I think one of those picks, just like Green Bay, Green Bay has two picks at the end of the first round. Like one of those picks is going to be um, a receiver. So they picked up the 29th pick from the Dolphins in the trade. Um, so I think they're going to still make some improvements to the offense. Um, but obviously, like you can't just replace Tyreek Hill. Like it's he's a one of a kind really in the league right now. Looking at the wide receiver position for them, it's not just Tyreek that they got to replace, man. Now, I understand he is by far and away the most important guy they need to worry about, but truly, like, their starting three wide receiver sets are gone. Tyreek's on the Dolphins, Byron Pringle is on the Bears, and even Demarcus Robinson has joined the Raiders. I mean, Miko Hardman, for all of his faults, still only 24 years old, but I don't know, man. I feel like at this <laughs> point, it's tough to even uh, wonder if he's going to start uh, next year, depending on how they continue to finish out uh, free agency. So they did bring in Juju. I mean, all right. Like, look, I, I, I like joking around about Josh Gordon comeback season because I, I support, you know, his journey and recovery and all those guys um, the, uh, dealing with things like that. But I, I think we would have seen the breakout. The guy's gotten a chance to play now with Brady, Mahomes, all these guys over the last few years. We're out on Josh Gordon. I mean, Justin Watson, Jody Fortson. Come on, man. They're going to need to get some of these rookie receivers. And Dwayne, to your point, it might be sharp and best ball to focus on kind of these wide receivers, you know, out, maybe just outside the top five or so. You know, you're pickings of the world. I think um, Walter is another one guys that could land on the Chiefs or Packers um, and all of a sudden not be in the, such a crowded situation yeah. like, you know, potentially your Garrett Wilson's or Drake London's joined the New York Jets, you know, earlier in the draft uh, situations like that. So there's a lot of unknown out there. I 
any of these guys are going to be great in Kansas City. Spare me the, oh my gosh, this wide receiver would be a great fit in Kansas City. Yeah, they have a ton of available targets, and Patrick Mahomes is the quarterback. Of course, wide receiver X is going to be a great theoretical fit in Kansas City. Now, we saw with Miko and even Clyde, you know, different position, but it's not a guarantee that these early round skill position guys are just going to smash there. But, like, come on, man. Give me any wide receiver Like, like the one that I would get excited about the most, honestly, like if he somehow slipped due to the injury. Jameson Jameson. Like that, that's the one where you're just like, okay, he's the one most likely to be able to give them something like what Tyreek Hill had given them as far as like that vertical threat. But to your point, like any of these guys, like Pickens has really been moving up draft boards. Like if he lands there, like, man, people are going to be, he'll have a chance. Honestly, like he might be the first rookie receiver taken, right? And redraft leagues if all of a sudden Pickens lands with Patrick Mahomes. Like it's a, it's a possibility. Like, w- yeah. What if they go ahead and they take uh, Mechie like at the end of the first round? Like oh, we'd have to su- we suddenly have yeah. to look at him as a top tier receiver because of the situation. So I, I know, especially Dynasty, you know, it's more um, I think more it's talent, like, yeah, m- more talent than necessarily first. Yeah, you don't want to get Ceh'd. <laughs> no, do not want to take Ceh over John. Oh man, Ceh over Jonathan Taylor. Oh, God. Uh, so, that, that's speaking, that's a great example of, of not letting of landing spot overdo it. Ceh, just keep it. Look, I mean, we're not we didn't go to the Dolphins' backfield that much. We only spent a lot of time, but both Daryl Williams and Jarek McKinnon remain unrestricted free agents. It makes sense without Tyreek there. Maybe they finally finally get Ceh more involved in the passing game. Still a ways to go. Uh, Dwayne and I are going to be back here tomorrow, going through team by team. So we'll you know stick on. Clyde a little bit longer, but he is standing out at the moment as one of those running backs that might be priced a little bit more like a low-end RB2, despite having a potential workload as a legit RB1. But Dwayne, let's talk some Juju Smith-Schuster, because some folks throwing him right back into the wide receiver one conversation. It's been a minute since we've seen Juju there. You know, year two goes just bonkers, but did so on the back of 160 targets. Really, ever since Antonio Brown left, he struggled. Not Totally equating that to Antonio Brown, like Juju, I thought as a rookie and even year two player, one of the best receivers in the league in terms of after the catch ability. I think injuries or maybe too much TikTok, haha, just kidding, chill, uh, could be the reason why he's not quite um, as explosive with the ball in his hands recently. Man, Dwayne, there's going to be some volume here, but I don't know what we've seen from Juju over the past three years to think that he's going to be able to return top 10, top 12 value. Yeah, Patrick Mahomes is fantastic. Uh, how many fantasy relevant receivers have we had in Kansas City other than Tyree Kill since he's been there? Zero. So Juju, I would think, is going to be someone that, yeah, okay, as a top 30 guy, definitely moving him up the ranks for sure. Spare me the idea that we're going to be ranking Juju as a top 12 receiver, though. Yeah. I mean, right now I've got him like sitting at 37, but again, these are like tiers. It's not like 100% firm, but I mean, in the range with, you've got Michael Thomas, Tyler Lockett, Brandon Cooks, Darnell Mooney. I've got the rookies, Garrett Wilson, Traylon Burks right there, Adam Thielen. Then I got Juju, Christian Kirk, like, so right in that range. But you know, the big challenge, you know, for Juju, look, he's obviously got an opportunity here, right? Um, Like you have to like today, right now on paper, Travis Kelsey's the one, Juju Smith-Schuster's the two. Like, I, I don't believe in McCole Hartman. He's never shown us enough. I just don't believe it. I, you know, even when I <laughs> watch the games, we've talked about it. Like, Mahomes is always pissed at the dude. So it shows up in his numbers, and it shows up when you watch the film. Like, Mahomes is always doing this. Like, like, like dude, like, you went the wrong way. What are you doing? Like, what's wrong with you? Um, so, but when I look at Juju, like, man, it's just been the deterioration. Like, you know, his yards per route run have gone from 2.17 to 2.08 to 1.49 to 1.29 to 0.88. 
to your point, there have definitely been some injuries in there, but that's just, that's a terrible trend. And his targets per route run have never really been elite. And you and I, I think we both believe targets are earned. Could you get a little bit of a bump just by other people leaving? Yeah, you might get a percentage or two. But once defenses start deciding to take you away, like you actually have to be able to get open. Like you have to be able to do your thing. Now he will probably work mostly from the slot, which will help him. But looking at his targets per route run, you know, he had 18% in his first season. Then he had the 24% year. That was his big year, 2018, right? Where he finished, you know, uh, as the wide receiver eight in PPR leagues. And so he flashed really huge, but then it's 18%, 19%, 17%. So I just think like, if you want to throw 20% of the chiefs targets, which isn't a terrible thing at Juju, I think you can. Um, but I'm seeing, you know, I'm seeing some ideas of maybe 100 receptions. Like, man, that's going to take 150, 160 targets. I just don't think Juju is going to get that at this point in his career. And if he was, he would have been signed for more money, guaranteed for more years at only 26 years old. I think the NFL sees the same thing that these data points see or, you know, are telling us. Um, so I just it's tough for me to get overly excited about Juju. I think they're going to add other pieces. I think he will be a piece. And it's just all going to depend on depend on ADP. I like Juju as a wide receiver three. I would be fine with that. But if he gets priced above that, I'm probably not going to have much exposure. He's the number two in the offense. For now, it could even go lower, but he's the number two. Even though he's the number one wide receiver, he is the number two. And that's what makes it tough to put him ahead of guys like Darnell Mooney, like Brandon Cooks. And yeah, we can talk about how much better Mahomes is than the quarterbacks on the Texans and the Bears. He certainly is. Uh, with that said, man, it just... Uh, yeah, I, I would feel better if we had like more historical examples of guys, you know, never demanding 25% target shares in their life. And then all of a sudden just blowing up and doing it. It just, yeah. just doesn't happen very often, like even in these kind of scenarios. So I think you just been the third tough. best third best wide receiver on his team the last I two know. years. Yeah. I'm, I'm just not confident in him coming to KC and taking over. Last thing with all this goes to Travis Kelsey. Dwayne, I'm seeing him listed as the big winner. Again, I think Tua was really, from a fantasy perspective, the only winner in this whole ordeal. I think everyone else at least drops a little bit. Now, Tyreek, you know, dropping from wide receiver two or three to wide receiver five, not the biggest of deals in the world. But Travis Kelsey, when have we ever been looking at Kelsey anyway, being like, oh man, if he just had more targets? He's always been at the top in large part because he's had just this ginormous workload that only another player or two at the position can even compete with now i know kelsey yak efficiency like he's he's elite in every sense of the word like you don't freaking finish top five or top one five straight seasons in a row without being a freaking fantastic future hall of famer at the position i just don't know that's that big of an increase Dwayne. we're still looking at someone that's going to be 33 by next year now like i can get a little bit behind the idea that okay now things aren't going to be as easy for him underneath and in in, 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 in intermediate areas of the field going to in to inter, intermediate man that is a tough one that is a tongue twister <laughs> there uh so I, that's going to be more jumbled like i'm just not convinced that kelsey's all of a sudden going to be averaging 20 targets per game man this is a guy that like if you look at the last you know just even with Mahomes, he's already pushing for 140, 150 targets in over a 16 game sample time and time again. So, you know, looking at it, like, I don't think he needs to necessarily drop. If you had him as your tight end one or tight end two and want to keep him there, that's fine. But any talk like, oh, Travis Kelsey is the one one now or something, miss me with that. Yeah. I, so the way I look at it is a little different. I agree with everything you're saying. I, again, I'm kind of thinking about like how these guys are going to tear out. 
And I think this does, because Kelsey's declining a little bit. Like people haven't talked about this, but his, his adjusted market share numbers, his target share last year is the lowest that we've seen since his rookie season. His receiving grade is the lowest that we've seen since 2016 in PFF receiving grade. Um, you know, looking at, you know, his yards per route run, it's the lowest that we've seen since his second year in the league in 2015. So there's definitely, there are definitely some targets per route run lowest since his rookie season. So I think when I looked at it, like I was already getting concerned about him losing some targets, um, just because he may be deteriorating. So it was just enough that I bumped him back above Mark Andrews, just because I know they, they can't afford to go away from him. Like they're going to have to, if they had previously considered, Hey, let's start like, taking it a little bit more easy on Kelsey, like as he, you know, kind of hits the age model, as you would hear like Levitan say, um, like, I think they're going to have to go ahead and push through like one more year. So if it's a tiebreaker kind of thing and you've got him against Andrews, which I had Andrews as one, like I went ahead and just put Kelsey at one, but you could argue Kelsey just should have already been, you know, number one. Yeah. The age thing is there. So you like the younger, the the younger aspect of Andrews, but Andrews is going to be in a crowded offense as well. It's probably it's going to run the ball more than they did last year. Right. Um, so I think you could, could have made an argument for Kelsey as your one before, but it, it was enough for me to just go ahead and make the flip between Andrews and Kelsey for now. Um, I'll be honest, like the more I think about strategy this year, and I know we'll come back and we'll go deeper into this kind of stuff. Like I'm not, I'm not, most years I have a stronger leaning to drafting one of the elite tight ends. I don't think I'm going to this year. I, I don't think I'm going to do it that much. Um, so we have I mean, a million late round guys and we say it yeah. every year. But. Well, and it's not just that it's more about the guys at the top, not necessarily like I've okay, got some different questions about all of them. Um, so anyway, we'll get more into that later. But I mean, I think Kelsey's fine as the 101, 102, not overall, but sorry, you're tight end one, tight end two. Um, he's fine. He's going to, he's going to be in most people's top three. We're not like breaking news here. And dynasty, man, this is, this is bad. I think it's showing that the chiefs aren't just going to keep the band together for the sake of keeping the band together. And yeah, I know they paid Travis Kelsey, but this is one of those like Cameron Brait S contracts where, okay, it's a big number, but it's more or less a year to year deal. Of course, he's going to be back with the chiefs this year, but starting in 2023, man, like they would only be looking at 1.4 million in dead money, whereas they can save 13 million, then 15 million, then 17 million uh, in cap savings by cutting or trading Kelsey. So if they do see a decline out of him as he starts to get into his mid 30s, they can get out of that contract awfully easy. And my God, man, if we look at Kelsey in another offense, uh, that's problematic. So the age thing, as long as he's attached to Mahomes, you should right absolutely now, be selling Kelsey and Dynasty. Yes, like you really should have done it last year. But right now, this is your, this may be your last exit to really get off and make something off of it because this type of information that you're already talking about Ian, it's what everyone will be talking about by the end of the 22, 2022 football season. Like people will be looking ahead and they'll be like, man, like the chiefs could easily cut Kelsey. Nobody's really talking about it right now, but that will be a huge topic at the end of next year. And so his value is just going to, con- obviously he's old enough. His value is only going to keep going down anyway, but I think this is your chance like to get off of the Kelsey train and dynasty. So do it. Social media graphic guy. Sell Travis Kelsey and Dynasty right now and do it Ian Harditz and Dwayne McFarlane. I haven't seen the double authored quote tweet graphic. <laughs> that could be some electric stuff right there. Get all sorts of, you know, engagement as the kids. Ian like, just wants to drag me into the mentions as we get raked. <laughs> you are 100% right. We'll, we'll team up. We'll be a team, Ian. It's fine. All right. All right, everyone. Before, whoopsies. 
Before we keep on going, just want to pay a little bit due respect to our lovely sponsors out there. I just love all of them so much, as you guys can all tell. So with that in mind, I want to give a shout out to Manscaped. Can I get a round of applause, everyone? Today, I'm excited to announce Manscaped launched their Ultra Premium Collection. Believe it or not, it's for your not-so-private parts. I'm talking about leveled-up hygiene routine with your favorite manly scent. This is an all-in-one skin and hair care care for the everyday man and covers you from head to toe. Literally, Manscaped is trusted below the waist. Now trust them with the rest. Join the 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped by going to manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping with the code PFF. Seriously, we got the Manscaped body wash, two-in-one shampoo and conditioner, hydrating body moisturizer, all that and so much more. Again, 20% off and free shipping with the code PFF at manscaped.com. The power of attraction is now in a bottle, thanks to Manscaped. And also, support the PFF Fantasy Podcast. Why not? People helping people. You can use code P- you can use code FANTASY for 25% off any PFF subscription. All of our locked article content ranks, draft guide, mock draft simulator, which we're actually, actually, not the mock draft simulator, our, uh, our dope ass, uh, oh no, it is a mock draft simulator. We now have player trades uh, involved in that as well, which is absolutely awesome. Figuring out some of the kinks behind the scenes, but our guy Timo and the, and the gang just doing some absolute absolutely awesome stuff there free agent free agent rankings data and grades all that and so much more 25% off any pff subscription just gotta use code fantasy Dwayne let's take the next 10 minutes and just kind of go through some of our takeaways with um, the 2022 ranks that you have so diligently been working on basically uh, just want to kind of go through the top 12 or so next week uh, I'm gonna actually have mine ready as well so we can start screaming at each other you know telling each other why we're idiots and probably nosediving our you know pretty good relationship <laughs> but worry about that next week right now I look, I look let's stick to yours I think we've we've already talked about uh, large chunks of this so we're not going to go through position by yeah. position but at quarterback i mean we already talked about josh allen having his own tier after that you know mahomes kyler herbert and lamar one way or another after that is where it kind of gets interesting right now you have tom brady qb6 burrow qb7 Dak qb8 russell wilson qb9 Jalen hurts qb10 aaron Rodgers qb11 and rounding it out is deshaun watson at qb12 is this shaping up as another year where if you don't get one of your top quarterbacks, we're just going to rely on Tom Brady? Because I know that was kind of your central strategy <laughs> last season. And damn it, Dwayne, it's looking pretty good again. Yeah, well, last year it was Brady or Hurts. Um, right. This year, let's see what happens with Russell Wilson's ADP. But if he's going to be going, you know, well behind these other guys right now on underdog, which is pretty good, you know, for a guy like Wilson, um, you know, we've had a little bit of time for it to adjust. I want to say he's... Uh, QB 12 going off the board, pick 93. And again, so this is best ball. Um, so quarterbacks do go a little bit earlier, but I like that. I, Russell Wilson at 93 versus Dak at 70. I think Wilson still carries more upside as far as being a rusher. I think Wilson can be every bit as good of a passer as Dak Prescott. And I think you could argue that he's got better weapons. So that's the kind of things I'm looking for is like, hey, which one of these things sticks out is it shouldn't be down here. It should be up with these others. And to me right now, Russell Wilson is is the player that sticks out to me the most because for me, he belongs in the tier. I've got Brady, Burrow, Prescott, Wilson, Hurts, all in a tier together. Rodgers is in it. He's at the bottom of it. And then you get to the next tier with Watson. And uh, you could argue Stafford goes in that same tier that I just mentioned with Rodgers and those guys, and I would be fine. If I were just tiering and not ranking, actually, that's he will be in that tier when I just do my tiers article next week on quarterbacks. Um, but then below that, we get outside the top 12 and you get into – so if you don't get one of those, 
Um, then I would come back, right, and I'm adding like a Fields or a Lance, you know, that are just outside of these. Now, right now, like Trey Lance is nuts. Like his ADP is stupid. Like it's a, it's like seventh quarterback right now on underdog. We I'm not know doing if he that. can throw the ball. We really don't. Well, and not just that. Like I don't remember last year when Hertz's ADP was through the roof early in the offseason. So that's Man, where Trey Lance is right now. And then you caught the lull later and you got to buy into Jalen Hurts. I think that's going to happen with Trey Lance because we're probably going to be coming up here in the next couple of weeks. Like, what if Jimmy G's not moved? Like, eventually the news cycle is going to hit Trey Lance and you're going to be able to get him for cheaper. I want Lance exposure. I think now, here's what the other way I would put it. Do you think there's any way Trey Lance's ADP goes up? I think it's as high as it can be right now because no, everybody's assuming the, the absolute best. This was like the joke we had going with Jalen Hurts last year because people would be like, you know, it'd be like the. PFF fantasy, who's your favorite late round quarterback for this year? Everyone would say Jalen Hurts, and his ADP was like QB7, QB8. Like he's not a late round quarterback at this point. I see that exact same thing, you know, playing out with uh, Trey Lance this year. The Russell Wilson call is great. And Dwayne, looking at this, Russell Wilson, I mean, off first glance, he might be the only quarterback in the first like 12 or 15 that doesn't even have a wide receiver with an ADP in the top 24 or a tight end in the top 12 because of the uncertainty with the targets. Sutton, Judy, Patrick, mm. Hamler, Albert O, all these guys are depressed. So if you just want to look at the highest upside stack you can make, actually at reasonable cost, it's Agreed. Russell Wilson and the Broncos easily. Moving. Yep. Right that was going to be part of something I'm, I'm going to be putting a little bit more out on next week um, as we start to kind of dive into some best ball stuff. But I, yeah. I'm with you. The, the, the Broncos stacks right now are pretty delish. We are going to be best ball seasoning ahead starting uh, next week. Yeah, definitely with our ranks. We'll get some streams uh, going as well. Back to getting some guests on here as well to, to you know, call Dwayne out on our bullshit if we happen to, to be wrong <laughs> one of these days. Looking at running back, Jonathan Taylor, RB1, Christian McCaffrey, RB2. Look, like this is one of those things that I would put McCaffrey one, but at the end of the day, everyone, we're arguing about like if McCaffrey should be one, two, or three or something. Let's, you know, go outside and just find better things to do with our lives. Austin Eckler, RB3, Derrick Henry, QB4. Dwayne, do you really think Derrick Henry is your QB4 or were you tired of just getting, you know, screamed at every time a top five graphic went out without He's Henry? definitely not my QB4, but... Oh, uh, QB, yeah. my bad. Look, look, he's still... Here's the thing. Like, so when, again, like when you're setting down, you're considering the way these guys are going to project, et cetera, et cetera. Like what's going to happen is if I don't get Jonathan Taylor or Christian McCaffrey or Austin Eckler, and I'm probably even like Eckler starts to get in a little bit of a range there too, but like I'm going to be taking all these receivers. And so I'm probably never going to draft Derrick Henry. I'm not going to get much Najee Harris. I'm not going to get much Dalvin Cook. Not going to, And I love Leonard Fournette, um, and he's going a little lower, so I imagine my exposure will be better. Kamara's down the board right now, so I'll probably get some exposure to him. But a lot of these other guys that are still going to be going – in the first round, I'm not going to have a lot of exposure to, and Derrick Henry's going to be in that group. So that that's where like these are rankings, but then like putting the strategy together um, because in your overall ranks, right, Henry's going to be below a lot of receivers. That's where he's going to get pushed down. Um, the guy on my list right here that I think could could move the most. We can talk about whichever ones you want, but Javonta Williams. Like I had to go my first pass of my rankings. You know, I had Javonta number two, and I wrote about this in my update. But my first pass of the ranking was kind of really just more of a, I made some bold assumptions like, look, if Melvin Gordon's not back, here's where Javante Williams goes, right? If, uh, you know, J.D. McKissick's not back, here's where Antonio Gibson goes. But now people are actually drafting. So I have to balance my ranks as far as like, what's the chance Melvin Gordon doesn't come back at this point when no one signed him? He's probably coming back to Denver, like, because he likes it there. He's waiting for more money. 
Now, unless it's a deal where he waits like a long time to see if someone else gets hurt in training camp, like that's a possibility that that could start to swing things back in Williams' favor. Um, but Williams would move back to number two on my list if, for some reason, Melvin Gordon doesn't resign there. Inside your top 10, two of, in my opinion, the four biggest running back winners of a free agency so far, Leonard Fournette, RB7, James Conner, RB9. In addition to those guys, I'd say Rashad Penny coming back to the Seahawks was absolutely great for him. And my guy Cordero Patterson rejoining the Falcons. And we've talked at length about just how tough it can be sometimes for these running, any position really, to change teams, get that new deal, and then just keep on keeping on. You know, a lot of that is probably like them getting older as well. I'm not saying necessarily yeah. old this worst player but a lot of it goes into it so just having Fournette back in the same offense and uh um I think people are sleeping just real quick on Fournette like I didn't realize how I've probably slept too long on his receiving ability I just thought of him as a guy didn't he lead the position in catches last year like who cares Uh, if he's as good as Eckler I mean well well the big thing is like I looked at running backs that over their first five seasons average at least 20 or got at least 20 percent targets per route run um and this is back to 2011, here's the list. Like, it's pretty crazy that he's on it. Alvin Kamara, Austin Eckler, Damian Williams, DeMarco Murray, Gio Bernard, Jalen Richard, James White, Kareem Hunt, Theo Riddick, and Leonard Fournette. And oh, guess what? His ADOT over the last three years has been above zero. So he's not a guy that they're just waiting to check it down behind the line of scrimmage. That's another thing I look for because it makes, you know, receiving statistics more sticky or guys that can actually work downfield, create these mismatches. So, like, look, with Fournette, I know he's going to be getting up there in age, but, man, you look at an elite offense where he's going to have the every-down roll. Last year, man, 26.6 PPR points per game in the games where he played at least 80% of the snaps. Right now, like, you have to assume that's what he's going to do. If he he plays 80%. He was fourth in overall fantasy points per game and fourth in expected fantasy points per game. One of only three, four guys to be over 18. Yep. He's a top. He was a top five running back last year. So honestly, like RB seven, he could even go higher if he wanted to. But yes, last season actually number three in receptions, only behind Eckler and Najee Harris. But Fournette only played fourteen games. They had sixteen and seventeen. So he was on pace. The Jaguars' uh, target shares, I think we looked at those, and it was like, oh, I mean, like Marquise Lee was their number one receiver one year. Like It was like we thought, at least I thought, that was the only offense in the league that he could be like getting that, those sort of target numbers. But then he went ahead and did it in Tampa Bay, despite them having yeah. Giovanni Bernard there and Tom Brady there, who obviously would have gotten him off the field if he didn't trust him to do it in that game. So shout out to Lenny. Uh, but yeah, man, it looks like Ro- Rojo, who already was out of the picture by the end of last year, but he's probably going elsewhere, seems like um and also with james connor chase Edmonds being out of the picture obviously huge all these uh you know just again incumbent players coming back really working out for them ahead to 2022 quickly at wide receiver again we talked about kind of the big five already cooper cup justin jefferson jamar chase in their own top tier then Devontae adams and tyreek hill after that it gets a little interesting debo stefan diggs aj brown cd lamb t higgins dk metcalf and Jalen waddle rounding out your top 12 we've kind of already talked about waddle here I guess, Dwayne, the one guy in here that has the most question marks to me is DK Metcalf. We got a little bit of news before that, you know, Pete Carroll saying that they, you know, really want to make sure they can uh, get him in before 2022. But we've known that volume, at least just compared to the other guys going around this range, has been a bit of an issue for Metcalf. Like, who knows? The Seahawks could be more run heavy than ever, even though they're going to be trailing. Uh, And also, Tyler Lockett is someone that, hey, it wouldn't be like shocking if Lockett just ends up leading the way in target gets on the offense so i think Dwayne, depending on what happens in the draft you know we got our guy 
Trevor Sikama saying that Drake London would be the ideal complement to Terry McLaurin in Washington. I think if McLaurin can make it out of this draft, man, and actually just be, again, the undisputed wide receiver one in Washington with only Diami Brown and uh, Curtis Samuel uh, to really give any competition, McLaurin would be someone that I'd be fine putting in the top 12, you know, right in place there in Metcalf. Oh, I, I know that because you're from Ohio State, Ian. No, but, like, we'll Dwayne, that that's not only why, okay? I think McLaurin has proven you, look, the I did notice that you said that's not the only reason why. So it is a reason. Okay. 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 <laughs> no, uh, look, man, I, I like McLaurin. I, I'm just I'm just not that bought in on Carson Wentz. But at the same time, look, Metcalf, like, it's strictly a talent bet. Like, that's all this is. Like, 14.4 points per um, game in 2021, like only, I mean, look, AJ Brown was lower than him, but AJ Brown had some games where he was hurt, yeah. um, that he was playing through the injury. So, I mean, I, I, that's not even apples to apples. Like he's the lowest guy on here, right. On, on this list right now. I mean, CD lamb's barely above him and we have no, like drew lock, man. Like drew, I mean, we could have a situation where DK Metcalf's finishes as a wide receiver three. Like he has a very wide range of outcomes, but we also have to, you know, he's an elite talent. So he's a guy that I struggle with. Um, and, you know, maybe he's with Waddle. Maybe, maybe, maybe Metcalf and Waddle for 2022 purposes. You know, because look, we're all thinking dynasty and rookies. You know, at this time of year, so it's easy to kind of have some of your younger players maybe a little too high. Maybe it really is DeAndre Hopkins and Keenan Allen take those last two spots. You know, and they bump out. You know, or maybe it is a guy like McLaurin. I don't think McLaurin will get inside my top 12. I love him inside the top 24 though. And I definitely want exposure to him. Um, I think, you know, the other one on here, like for me, T Higgins, probably, you know, he's slightly, you know, he's a, he's going at wide receiver 12, you know, on underdog right now. So I'm a little higher than consensus consensus on Higgins. Like, and I love Jamar chase. Um, So, I mean, it is the one team where you've got two receivers, both inside the top 12, but I don't mind just because like Joe Burrow, like has shown us, like he's going to be a really good quarterback. Um, we just need to make sure the Bengals continue to throw the ball. So there's, there's risk with a lot of these guys. I think when you look at the tiers, you know, that's why I kind of like the mini tier of Adams and Hill. And then really you get this next group. And maybe there's another tier there, like where it's Samuels, Diggs, A.J. Brown. And then maybe it's Lamb, Higgins, Metcalf, you know, Waddle is really almost a mini tier below that. Round things out real quick with tight end. As we said, Kelsey at the top, but he's right there with Mark Andrews. We got Kyle Pitts. I mean, not ideal going from Matt Ryan to Marcus Mariota. We're all aware that Darren Waller had a great game in that one week with Marcus Mariota in 2020. I'm not so sure we can just extrapolate that to uh, 17 games and call it a day for Pitts. But you know what? There's literally basically nobody else to throw the ball to. Literally, basically. I'm just crushing it with the grammar today. Uh, Kyle Pitts in Atlanta. Obviously, the disputed number one pass game option so just that in and of itself uh you know deserves uh him inside the top three to four then we have waller kittle tight end six tj hawkinson after him dallas goddard dalton schultz rob gronkowski tight end 10 Dwayne albert o ahead of guys like pat fryermuth and dawson knox tell me about albert o and why you're getting behind him because let's face it so far so good in free agency the only guy i believe they added Colby uh, Parkinson, I believe his name is, and he is like the definition of a block first tight end. So, so far, so good with Alberto. We just need him to get that full-time role. If he does, though, it's looking good. Yeah, I think he's going to have the full-time role, um, no doubt. I don't, I don't, I'm not questioning that at this point. Um, I mean, we'll, we'll have to listen to like what's going on in camp, whatnot. But 
I think, you know, the biggest thing for me with Albert O is, you know, we're always trying to look at players that may have been in limited roles and looking at their underlying metrics. Um, And that's where like yards per route run, targets per route run, things like that really end up coming into the picture. And I was just, I'm, I'm, you know, because I'm working through my projections and things like that. I'm starting that process now um, and like just really starting to dig into it. And I was on another pod last night on the fantasy football intervention. We were talking about Albert O. And so it's was, it was like fresh on my mind this morning. He's the first guy I got up and like came in here. I was like, man, I got to go look at Albert O again. Yards per route run, 2.28 uh, and 1.94 over his first two years. Those are elite. Those are those are numbers that belong with the absolute best names in the NFL. Yeah. Same thing on their targets per route run. 28% his first year, 24% last year. Sigmund Bloom jumped in here and he asked, hey, well, what was it without Drew Locke when it was just, you know, the other Denver quarterback? So I went ahead and looked at it. It was 1.91 with Teddy Bridgewater last year as far as his yards per route run, and the same 24% targets per route run with Bridgewater. So it, it wasn't just, oh, a Drew Locke thing, throwing to you know, his old college teammate. It really was a player that, that was putting up these elite numbers. Now, does every player that, that does this make the jump once they're given the full-time role? Not always, but it's a pretty good leading indicator. And so for me, like, Okwabunum is – just did you like that? Like how smooth that was? Um, I was about to challenge you to pronounce it. No, Okwabunum. Okwabunum. I got it. Um, he <laughs> like he gives us that underlying profile of wow. He could he could really make a big leap. I think it's in the range of his outcomes that he's the guy that surprises us the most in the whole offense. Like right now, but like we love Sutton. We like Judy. We like Tim. We like Tim Patrick. But I think there's a chance that Albert O is actually like the guy that makes the biggest leap forward. And I think there's an outside chance that he actually leads the team um, because of these numbers that we see here. So he's just a player you want to be in on. I mean, his ADP is low, but I like him. Like Dawson Knox was a pure volume guy, like 14% targets per route run. Dawson Knox isn't demanding the ball. He's just on a team that happens to throw the ball enough. And that brings his value up, you know, but really he's like third, fourth read, you know, third, fourth option on the team. Um, so I just like Alberto. You know, you've been banging on me for Friar Moose, so I was like, I'll just go ahead and slot him right above Friar Moose. So Ian sees that Friar Moose moved down like one spot. Well, in the thing, <laughs> thank you. Uh, the thing with Alberto, like, okay, everything you said about him being great talent. I think the, pe- the mistake a lot of people make sometimes with a great talent is the assumption that they're going to leap. You know, whoever was ahead of them on the depth chart before. All right, no fan. He's in Seattle. Like we have checked that box off, and to this point, they haven't added a realistic, uh, you know, number two option to make us sweat the possibility of him not having that full time role. So you look at Frymouth again. Zach Gentry was splitting snaps with him in the most recent sample size we have. That's not ideal. Do I think Frymouth is number one there? Absolutely. But Albert O is looking more undisputed. Dawson Knox now has to deal with an incoming OJ Howard. I'm sure Knox will still be the guy, but I mean, no fan. Now has Will Disley coming back on a huge deal for whatever reason. Like, Alberto checks the box of both having the proven elite talent and now having all the newfound opportunity we could ask for, throwing the quarterback upgrade. Here's to hoping the Albert O ADP stays outside that top 12. And maybe, just maybe, uh, he'll move ahead of Irv Smith as the late-round tight end to own in 2022. 
Dwayne, that was just a preview of, you know, the ranks. Again, we'll be back next week. Really starting to get in the best ball. We'll Battle be of tomorrow. the ranks next week. Battle of the <laughs> ranks. Let's go. And we'll be back uh, tomorrow on Friday, basically doing what we did before free agency, where we go through all 32 teams, probably talk for two, maybe even three. I don't think we've ever had a three-hour podcast. We've gone to about 2.30 before. Maybe that could be the day. I don't know. I don't I'm know. Making, I'm making Ian wake up early to start this thing tomorrow. <laughs> what, 10 a.m. was our, like, start time we decided on. Oh man, maybe even nine. We'll see. We'll see. I might have to, uh, you know, stick to one six pack tonight. We'll see, Dwayne. Anything else you want to get off your chest before you uh, take the misses out to lunch? No, no, man. I think we're gonna hit like all this other stuff in these in these upcoming. I have a ton of things I would love to talk about, but I have to go. <laughs> so for Dwayne, I'm Ian. Thanks as always for tuning in to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast, everyone. Until next time, take care, everybody.